Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So apparently y'all are looking for him? Great. That's wonderful because the scripture says he only appears to those who are looking for him. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 20, if you would, today, verse 7. Certainly want to wish all of our mothers a happy Mother's Day today. Thank you for your years of sacrifice, raising your children, trying to imprint upon their hearts, their minds, the truth of the gospel. Amen. May God greatly reward you and bless you, sisters. <clears throat> also, I want to mention to you before we read the scripture today that I've had several requests from brothers in Uganda for some bicycles to be able to um, be used in uh, spreading the gospel. Now, to us, it seems so odd. I know that anybody would ask for a bicycle. But the majority of these brothers, uh, they're ministers, and some of them are deacons, but uh, they have no cars. The majority of Africans have no cars, of course. I was in Kenya several years ago preaching at a, at a tent meeting there, about 5,000 people visiting. Might have been 30 cars that was there. Most of them was public transport uh, or bicycles. But uh, these brothers, if they're able to have a bicycle, they're able to go you know, out in the bush and this and that to be able to spread the gospel. If they get a certain type of bicycle, which they call a mountain bike, which is really sturdy, it has an extended seat on the back of it, and they're able to actually transport people back and forth into town and make a little income on the side. So if you'd like to uh, donate toward that, we'll give you a week or so, you know, to think about it. These mountain bikes, because they're all more sturdy and they need a tire pump on it because you're in the middle of Africa. You know, you can't just stop by a service station if you have a flat tire. So they buy them a, a tire pump and some tube repair stuff and things like that. And uh, uh, so they cost about $200 a piece, something like that. So there's several brothers that's needing them. So maybe you can think about it. We might lift an offer maybe next Sunday if you all want to do that. Or if you'd like to donate to it today, of course, you can do the same. Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. We are going to speak today on the end of the millennium. Now, I know that's sad for us, but there's better things coming, but there's a few things we have to kind of take care of before we get to the better things. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And let me just make this comment here on this scripture. Actually, the beast and the false prophet were thrown into this place at the beginning of the millennium. So here they have been in this place of torment 
for a thousand years, and they are still there. Now, keep that in mind when you're thinking about whether you want to go toward the world or go toward God. Anybody in the right mind ought to choose him. But now sing, the beast and the false prophet were thrown into this place, and they have been there for a thousand years while the millennium has been going on, and they, of course, are still there. When the beast, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night for anion and anion, that is the Greek word, ever and ever, and it means a space of time plus a space of time. Where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, reading these scriptures, Lord, it makes us feel so sad to know that this will be the end destiny of all of those who turn you down. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do everything in our power to try to influence every individual that we can. We know we can't make people love you. We can't make them want to serve you. But Lord Jesus, help us if you would place it upon our hearts to be able to share the life and the light that you've given to us, that we could do so. For none of us here in this building today if we have one little speck of the Spirit of God in us, would desire to see anybody go to such a place. You told us in your word that this place was created for the devil and his angels, not for humans, not for souls of humanity, but they opt to go there because they turn you down. But there's one here today that's weighed in the balance, and they're not really sure. May you help them, Father. Speak to us from your word, we ask, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Let's read, if you would, in uh, chapter 20, verse 1. This is at the beginning of the millennium before we actually go into the millennium itself. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold... On the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Now, the word there laid hold is to seize him by violence. So the word denotes employment of strength or force, and it implies a power that is moved upon him in order to bring him to this place. Now, he's called the dragon, he's called the serpent, he's called the devil and Satan, and God merges all of this together to show that his forehold power is now going to be annihilated. Now, this also lets us to see that it is a personification of evil. It is unlike what many people would think that evil and darkness and Satan is no more than just a thought or an impression. But God wants us to know that this is actually a personality. 
And you cannot have a personality, of course, that being a person. So God identifies this person with these different names. Now, these are administrations of his office that he's chosen to operate in down through the ages. And God identifies him all at once. So this is more than a, a, an influence. This is more than just an idea. But it is actually an individual. Notice in verse 3, And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed a little season. Now to us in our thinking, we think, why in the world would God shut him up in a prison for this thousand years and then allow him to be released again? Oh, but you see in the great divine program of the Almighty, There is another instance by which God is going to prove that the heart of the unconverted man is absolutely horribly lost without divine mercy. Under the seventh dispensation, which is the millennium, God will prove, and this will be the finale of this proving, that man is so lost without God. Under the dispensation of innocence and conscience and family government and theocracy of the kings and the law and even grace and even up to the millennium, man has proven without God's intervention in his life, he cannot do right. Man cannot do it. Now, the sad part about it is that many people feel like belonging to church, going to church, doing religious things, singing religious songs, that they are ready to meet God. But my friend, you are so horribly mistaken. The heart of man is evil. The heart of humanity is evil. The scripture even says the heart of man, who can know it? It is such a deceiving, decrepit thing. But thank God for the new birth which changes our heart and makes us like him. Notice then the words that John uses that he said, after that he must be loosed for a little season. So it is a must into the program of God, and God will use this loosening to finalize his final proof of the weakness of humanity. Now notice in verse 7, when the, when the thousand years are expired, then Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So the honeymoon is winding down. It, it, all the peace that has been upon the face of the earth, no sickness, no sorrow, no death, no heartaches, Uh, Many of the people that have now lived upon the earth have lived up to be a thousand years old. The prophet says there will be some that will live to be a thousand years old and they will prove that they've outlived that day of the curse and they will have enjoyed such peace, such happiness that the world has never known. Think of it. It will be an increment of time that will be the longest duration of peace, satisfaction, joy, health, the blessings of God, the bountiful peace of God, the world has never known anything like it. Yet under that reign and dominion, there will be no doubt millions of people that will make their choice at the end of the millennium that they do not want to serve God. Now in our minds, it's so hard to imagine why in the world anybody would want to do that. Oh, but you see, we are looking at the environment to perfect 
a heart. And the environment will not perfect or change the heart. The heart must be changed by a supernatural power which can only come from God himself. And then as great as God is, as great as his power is, God will not force himself on people who do not want to be changed. The very reason the whole world today is not changed is because they simply don't want to be changed. They choose to be evil. They choose to go the way they are going. And in the millennium, it will still be a sustainable cause that they will hold this within their cell. I don't want this. And as soon as they get the opportunity, they will prove their colors. How sad. Is this not sad? And yet here we come right down to the closing shadows of the millennium. And verse 7 says, when the thousand years are expired, so the very last day of the thousand years will come to its close. And when it does, then Satan will be loosed out of the bottomless pit. Now remember, he's not held in this other place where he's going to be thrown into, which is fire and brimstone or the second death. But he's held in a place called the bottomless pit. It was here that out of the abyss is the Greek word that is used. There are several words in referring to hell and the grave which are Sheol and Hades and it is the realm of the lost. It is the realm where the demons and darkness and all that is kept. And we know the scripture tells us that those demons are held by chains of darkness under darkness. And we know that Jesus gave the parable and it was of the rich man of course and Lazarus and he gives us a faint view of what that world is like. But yet for the most part we know very little about it. But we know that there is a pit out of our Revelation 9 is where the angel of God looses one of the vials and whenever he does an angel these demons come out of there and they have breastplates of jacinth and they have a brimstone and all of that and they're horrible looking creatures to torment the people who are going to be on the earth in the time of the tribulation. So they also are held in the bottomless pit. So Satan is actually held in this bottomless pit, maybe turning, turning, falling, falling, no place to be able to really grab a hold of, and he's kept there for a thousand years. But that still is not the place of his destruction. Whenever the last day of the millennium comes, then God will allow this same angel to go back with this key, break the seal, and loose the door of the bottomless pit. Then Satan will be allowed to come out of the bottomless pit. Also during the same time frame, you know, and within an hour, who knows exactly when it will be, but there will be a resurrection. Now this is not like the resurrection that started at the beginning of the millennium. Remember the millennium starts with a resurrection and the millennium will end with a resurrection. The first resurrection are those elect of God which will be gathered together and enter into the millennium for a thousand years. At the end of the millennium, then all the dead, remember the scripture said, and the rest of the dead live not till the thousand years were finished. So then this will be what is termed as the general resurrection. It will, will be all of the lost. It will also be all of those foolish virgins, the lot type that have lived down in time. And there they will now make their choice. And they will, of course, identify with Satan. And they will join forces with 
just those that have lived during the millennium who did not want to serve God. It's amazing when you look at it that these people will be from different increments of time. So there will be there will be the Egyptians, there will be the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, there will be the Moabites, there will be Americans, there will be Germans, there will be all kinds of people that will be raised from the dead. And then there will be those that have lived in, out of the nations in the time of the millennium and human bodies and they will all join forces. It will be such a mass of millions in this army that they will compass against the holy city. Now out of this bottomless pit here comes Satan to vent his anger against the Lord Jesus and the bride. Watch this in question and answers. The church that's on the earth is redeemed and right in the presence of God. So he has nothing he can work on. Now this is in reference to the millennium. We read this last night. So it's not a chain as I said a log chain. It's a chain of circumstance and he has nothing he can do. He's helpless and hopeless just waiting for the resurrection of the subject. So Satan knows that there will be a resurrection at the end of the millennium and he will be able to amass the largest army that he has ever had on the face of the earth. Now let me say to you, I do not understand how Satan thinks, thank God. I do not relate, I I just, I I can't fathom where he comes from. I don't understand, I mean he can read the back of the book like you and I read the back of the book. Does he somehow believe he, he will be able to defeat God? Does he somehow believe that he will be able to override this life's judgment that he will not be go into this abyss, into the lake of fire and brimstone or sulfur as it's used? Well, does he believe he has the ability to go on or does he not really even care that it's so in him to hate everything about God that he will raise with such vengeance and hatred and he will gather all of these together and if you notice the scripture does not mention anything about the saints of God or the the Lord Jesus saying one thing or doing one thing from inside the walls nothing is referred to as far as them saying anything or doing anything but the next thing that will take place will be fire from God out of heaven. Now notice the prophet said he's helpless and hopeless just waiting for the resurrection of the subjects. Then they're separated as the sheep from the ghosts. Now we move of course to Matthew 25. So in the white throne judgment will be those all the dead, the dead both small and great stand before God. I pray and hope to God that there will be none of us in this building today that ever have to go to that horrible place. Notice in verse 8, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Now notice the way that John divides this and he gives them the symbolic names of Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Now it will be multiplied millions of people but I find this amazing whenever I read this because uh, you know many of these people had feigned an obedience to Christ. They had acted as if so in the millennium that they love this kingdom that they love what God was doing but once they get their opportunity their true nature comes out now you and I know we've seen people like that and they're in church for years and years and all of a sudden something happens and my they just do a 180 and turn direct opposite of what they've done and they turn into these horrible people and you say my goodness I cannot believe that this is the person that I once knew well in one way they're not the same person 
person because they were going toward light then all of a sudden they're going against light and you know how that is whenever you wake up in the night and you need to go to the bathroom or something and you're walking toward a light and you're able to see and when you spin around and go the other way and your eyes have dilated of course in the darkness and once you go toward the light the pupils of your eye get smaller and smaller in order to be able to gather the light to hit it and reflect back on the way our eyes made but when you turn from that light and head back towards your bed what happens you can't find anything you stump your toe you bump into the couch you bump into the table whatever's going on is that right you ever had it to happen why because your eyes are now small and because of the light and when you turn out of the light you can't see anything that's what happens to people when they turn away from the truth then they march back toward what they thought. Well, I'm the same person. No, you're not. Because you have been illuminated to light. You have tasted light. You have heard about what light can do. And then you turn from that and start toward darkness. You'll never be the same. I don't care what you do. Well, that's exactly right. Now notice, so these had feigned an obedience to Christ. They really, of course, didn't do it. And yet, it's amazing. Myself, as I look at that, I just find it to be an amazing thing. How that evil so grips the heart of man, even under a millennium reign of peace and miracles, and we're seeing the entire earth that has been changed. Can you imagine these people as they're raised upon the earth, and they're seeing that the temperature is the same, and they're told by those of us who know maybe that the earth at one time tilted on its axis because some of these will be born in the millennium. They never knew the other earth. They never knew Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, all of that. They never knew nothing about any of that at all. They were actually born in the millennium. So all they know is this perfect earth where the temperature is the same all the way around and yet they're told by some of us, you can't imagine what this earth used to be because we're trying to bring them to the light and we're telling them, oh you don't how to appreciate where you are. I mean, your birth right here in the millennium. Really? Really? You mean that ain't the way it was? Absolutely not. I was a mortal and I lived an existent life, a prior existent life on this earth. I lived on the earth and I was from Canada or here, there, and the other. Used to this earth was covered with ice and the South Pole two miles sit and the temperature was 70 minus and yet 100 mile an hour winds. Oh, really? Yes. You are living on a miracle and they say oh my isn't this something and you mean it wasn't always this way no no the, it tilted back 22 and a half degrees and the temperature varied so much there used to be seasons on the earth really oh my goodness I'm 957 years old I've never seen a season in my life they've been born in the millennium the millennium is all they know all they know is peace happiness joy health they don't know anything about a hospital because there aren't any we'll never hear a siren in the millennium never there'll never be a doctor having doctor so-and-so's office and there'll never be a clinic oh my there'll never be a baby born blind there'll never be a cripple ever walk down the streets of jerusalem How much more perfect can the environment be? But yeah, when Satan raises out of his prison, did you notice how John said this here? He shall go out to deceive the nations. He bypasses the kings. Now the kings have been appointed by the Almighty. No doubt kings who are of the Almighty. 
So he bypasses the kings who have made the earth in subjection to God's word. And he goes directly to the nations. So he's bypassing God's protocol in the millennium as he tries to do it now. So he goes beyond the kings and he goes out to the nations. So he begins to seduce. Now we don't know exactly what he done because John doesn't say. Nor do we know how long this actually took. Was it days? Was it weeks? But remember, the millennium is over. So God will allow him enough time to be able to compass the entirety of the earth. Where every mortal who wants to join ranks with the devil will be allowed to do so. Well, praise God. Now this will, of course, bring such, oh my, such a misunderstanding among those of us as we're standing there thinking, what in the world do they want to do this for? But yet being that we are in the word form body, and we will know, you know what, we understand a little bit about it today, I trust, that without the regenerate power of God moving inside of a man's heart or a woman's heart to change them, we are evil, friends. You might as well admit that to the truth, we are born evil. Oh my, we look at a little baby, how innocent it is. And my niece yesterday uh, gave birth to a little baby. And my, how innocent and small. And yet, but let that little child grow up and it won't be long before that evil will start manifesting itself. And Satan knows that. So Satan actually succeeds in rendering their hearts and giving them a direction of rebellion. That's all some folks need. They just need a direction of rebellion. And what is it when people disobey God's word? It's rebellion. They rebel against God's standards. They rebel against God's protocol. They rebel against everything that heaven stands for. And they've not had any direction during the time of the millennium because Satan has been bound. Amen. And there's no demons hanging around nowhere. That's right. So they don't have a direction. They don't have a sense of focus. And when Satan comes out and his demons come out with him and they go to compassing this last move, then in this millions of them will join ranks with the devil. Oh my. Tested in the Garden of Eden under the dispensation of innocence and man walks out from behind it. Tested in the dispensation of conscience and what does it do? It leads man to a place to his imagination was constantly on evil. And every dispensation that God has given man of his mercy and seven of them there have been by the time we consummate the millennium and man has failed in every one of them. Notice you say even now under grace worse now under grace than ever before. Now God is dealing with man under the sixth dispensation which is of grace and man has proven even under grace he does not know how to appreciate grace but instead he abuses grace. He lives an evil, wicked life and then pleads the claim of grace. Oh, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. And keeps doing the same thing over and over again. People are proving, friends, by churchanity. They are proving by the way they live their lives. They don't know how to appreciate grace. They have become abusers of God's grace. Abusers of mercy. Oh, God, help us that we don't do likewise. 
You imagine when the divinely appointed government was placed by God. They took advantage of that. Look at Joseph hated by his brethren. Look at Moses despised. And every dispensation that God has manifested himself. And it will come to the person, the Lord Jesus in the millennium. Even that with an absolute perfect environment. And man still cannot live right. In one sense it shouldn't make an amazement to us. Because look at Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was a perfect paradise. There was no sin. There was no devil around anywhere. There was no smoking. There was no drinking. Is that right? And she couldn't live right in a perfect paradise. But yet look at hearts sitting in this building today who have been changed and born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. You're not living in paradise, but you're living right in the middle of hell. You're living in the middle of Satan's Eden with lying and adultery and fornication and homosexuality and unbelief that is an onslaught against you every day. And by the grace of God, you say, no, devil. No, devil. I refuse to go that way. Oh, hallelujah. So environment cannot make you perfect, nor can environment control you if you're born of the Spirit of God. This will be the final proof that the heart of man is desperately wicked. I say it again, I don't think we know how to appreciate the miracle of the new birth. For many of you, it's happened many, many years ago, and it's so common to you. I don't think, I think occasionally we need to revisit the miraculous power of the new birth and what it's done inside of us. To so change our hearts, our desires, our intentions, our motive, everything about us to set us toward heavenly. But you're focusing so much on the failures of the flesh that you let them thoughts overpower the miraculous of the new birth of the soul. And you're constantly, oh, well, I messed up. I messed up. Of course you're going to mess up. You're a human being, and this whole thing is not born again. But what's on the inside of you has been born of heaven. It cannot die a bit more than God can die. Oh, my. You imagine a perfect environment, and this will be the outcome of that in verse 9. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The revolt will absolutely be worldwide. And Satan will enmass these millions of people on the city of Jerusalem. Now from the breadth of the earth. They come from all over the earth and they will come and compass the camp of the saints. Here we are back in camp meeting again. Right in the millennium, the, the saints still believe in camp meeting. <laughs> Amen. Listen to this. I, I found this in studying this. Clarence Larkin said it this way. In case you're not familiar with him, he was a Pentecostal theologian, wrote dispensational truths. Brother Branham got many of the things that he referred to in Future Home. Also, Satan's Eden, God of this evil age uh, from this man had quite an insight on some things. He, see, he said, we see that the millennial dispensation, like all the six dispensations before it, will end in man's failure. God will have tested man in innocence, under conscience, under self-government. Under headship of the family, under law, under grace, and finally under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Free from satanic influences. Oh my. And all of them, and all of them, he will prove himself to be hopelessly, incurably evil 
and bad. Incurably evil and bad. This is why we got to be born again. Look, friend, you say, well, I believe God sent a prophet. You've still got to have the Holy Ghost. Well, I've got long hair, sisters. Well, that's wonderful. I wear decent dresses. That's wonderful. But your heart has got to be changed from the evil that's in it. Or you just become a religious sinner. Now, a thousand years, after a thousand years in the presence of the king, they have not, think of it, they have not seen you age one day. They have seen miraculous powers of God. They have seen the earth blossom. They have seen productivity of the earth. They have lived under the dispensation of the sun, which has been magnified seven times compared to what it was. They have seen not one war, not one tumult. They've not even heard one argument. Not one man and his wife had any words. What a miracle. No rebellious teenagers. That's another miracle. Nobody had rock and roll playing. No televisions. Thank God. Well, praise the Lord. No airplanes, no cars, no fussing, no fighting, no arguing. Oh, my perfect. But that don't change the heart. As soon as they get the opportunity, the heart goes toward Satan. Notice this again, question answers. Now then there will be a camp meeting of the saints upon the breadth of the earth. And Satan is loosed out of his prison and goes to make war again with the saints. Just exactly what he done in glory to begin with. Notice it started out in heaven with a war. It ends on the earth with another one. And when God rains fire and brimstone out of the heavens and the whole earth is removed, just burn up and destroyed and there's no more sea, no more water, no more nothing left on the earth. Volcanic will spray and burst and blow. And the whole thing, I saw a new heavens and a new earth. For the first heavens and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city descending from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Remember it? In this, the bride, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and God shall dwell among them. God is proving at the end of the millennium, man must be born again, or he can never withstand the evil. Listen, friend, I don't care how much you have a great intention. Oh, I see, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I need to do better. I know, I know, I know. That will not do it unless the supernatural power of God overrides that evil in our nature and takes the snake out and puts a dove in, we simply cannot resist it. Oh my. Notice in verse 10, and the devil that deceives them was cast into not the bottomless pit this time. Now, actually, John rushes over and lays out Satan's end before he sets up the judgment. Now, this is not the consequential order of events by which it will happen in this order. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. God help us. 
And I saw a great white throne. This throne is different from the throne in Revelation 20 and 4. It's different from the throne in Revelation 18. It's different from the throne in Revelation 4. This one is a throne with no mercy. There is no lawyer to represent the accused. There is no blood. There is no plea that will be accepted. Notice the color, white, significance of God's justice and his purity. And I saw a great white throne in him. Notice John will see three thrones and one God on each one of them. John saw one throne and one God. And him, not them that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no more place for them. So the, the throne has the same significant color as him who John saw on the horse, which, by the way, was a white horse. And he sees him arraigned or clothed in white. So it's a white throne, a token of purity and judgment of the Almighty. Now remember, this is the Lord Jesus sitting upon the throne. What's this in Revelation? The prophet said, oh brother, don't never want to stand there. Let me stand before a machine gun. Let me be cut to pieces. Let me be sawed inch by inch. Let anything happen as the oath of the Knights of Columbus. Let them split open my belly and burn sulfur and everything in me. My arms and legs cut off. Whatever it may be. But never let me stand at that white throne judgment. Before God. Oh, let me take this little throne here before the seat of Christ and accept his blood. Now you say, it's up to you. You can accept the mercy seat, which is now being offered with the sprinkling of the blood to make you a new creature. Or if you turn it down, you will accept this one here, whether or not you want to. I don't want to go. Well, if you don't want to go, then you don't have to. But if you turn it down, this is the only place left for all of us, me included. Let me take this little throne here before the seat of Christ and accept his blood. Nothing in my arms I bring, Lord. No, no fountain, no nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's all I know about. This is all my hope and staying, nothing but the blood of Jesus. He said, let's speak of this throne now for a few minutes. This was not a throne of mercy. Mercy's throne is finished. No more mercy. It's without mercy. How is the judgment seat going to be the judgment seat of Christ? The judgment seat, the white throne judgment. Is there going to be mercy then? There is not one speck of mercy to be given. At the judgment throne, you could scream mercy till you couldn't scream no more. And you might as well scream out in the air somewhere. Because there's no more. Mercy. But I don't, I don't want to go there. You don't have to. If you do, you chose that yourself. 
Notice again he says at the judgment seat, Jesus, the church, the bride, was raptured, went up into glory, and was there and was married, returned back to the earth, lived a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, Satan was loosed out of his prison that is bound by an angel with a chain, not a log chain, but a chain of circumstance. All of his subjects was in hell. All that was resurrected on the earth, redeemed, and Jesus with them, he couldn't work through them. So notice, he said, but at the end of the thousand years, the second resurrection, blessed and holy is he that hath part, oh my, in the first resurrection on which the second death has no power. Notice in this second resurrection, when they come up, then Satan's loose out of his prison for a little season. Then the judgment is set. Now watch, Jesus with the bride, as king and queen set at the throne, white throne judgment. Every person, sister, that's ever laughed at your hair and laughed at you because you wouldn't wear their worldly clothes. Young people, those who you went to school with and college with that have ridiculed you and made fun of you and never repented. One day when the books are open, there will be a written right there will be the very time they said it, the day they said it, the words they said it, and however God will vindicate it to them, they will have nothing to say. They will have no, no plea. They will have no plea bargain. There will be no attorney say, Father, let me, let me stand for them. That's going on right now. If you need an attorney, and we all do, you better get him while he's still in the business. Because before long, he's fixing to retire from attorney to king. Amen. Hallelujah! The attorney's office will be closed when he becomes fully our king. Now watch Jesus with a bride, his king and queen sat on the throne. The white throne judgment and the books were open, the books of the sinners. And another book was open, which was the book of life. And every man was judged thus by the bride. Know ye not, taking the little manners before the law, know ye not that the saints shall judge the earth? You imagine every mortal that has lived since the creation of time. Billions and billions of the dead will be raised. And they will stand there in the image and in the same body they sinned in. Their body that they're raised in. Oh God. Proofs are lost. Your body that you were raptured and proved, you were elect. You were changed from an old man or an old woman to a young man. Your clothes identify who you are. Notice this, they asked the prophet this question. What manner of body will the wicked have in the last resurrection? At the great white throne judgment. That sinner will rise in the resurrection to be judged in the body that he has committed the sin in. Now you imagine Pilate when he washed his hands that day and felt like that he had been able to clear himself of this innocence of the death of the Lord Jesus. Caiaphas, Annas, all the rest of those men who stood against him. Yet they were raised up with their long beards, maybe even with this similarity of their high priest garments on. And Pilate will walk up before the judgment seat, the white throne judgment. 
He will look into the eyes of that man that he saw so many, many years ago when he in his own heart knew he was doing the wrong thing. Oh my, let this blood be upon you. I'm free from the blood of this innocent man. Judgment will tell whether he is or not. But you see, Pilate will stand there and as the history bears the record of it, of him trying to committing suicide and trying to wash his hands of that blood raised in that body. Caiaphas will raise in his body. Annas will raise in his body. And he will walk before the Lord Jesus and look at the very same one that he took his hand and hit him right in the face and hot spit and spit in the face of our God. Lord Jesus. You'll have to stand in the judgment of the resurrection. Resurrection is not replacement. It's bringing up. That went down when Jesus raised from the dead. He was the same body that went down. He raised in the same kind of body. We raise in the same body. We go down. It's a resurrection, not a replacement. But the Bible says they'll be judged according to the sins done in their body. When the wicked rises, he will be judged in the same body. That he sinned in. And you're sitting here today thinking you ain't a miracle. When the rapture takes place. That body that you sinned in when you was a sinner. No more is even alive. All evidence of that body has been changed. They said that ain't him. He's 45 years old when he done that. He's 18 now. That ain't her. She, whenever she done that, she was 20. She was 30. She was this, that, or the other. Her body proves this is a false accusation. I have reversed the charges. I have cleared them. Hallelujah. And their body proves they are sinless. Glory be to God. Not only is God going to destroy your record, but God's going to destroy the very body you sinned in. Hallelujah. There will be no record of your old body. Acts 10 42, he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he, speaking of Christ Jesus, which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick, which is alive and dead. Acts 17, 31, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man. Isn't it amazing? It will not be God the Father, the pillar of fire, that great light, sitting on the throne, judging humanity. But it will be who? One who was a former mortal. And others standing around him who were former mortals. Who can say anything against that? Oh, Lord. Notice this. I find this so amazing. The message of grace. Remember the first judgment seat was upon the earth. And it was in the Garden of Eden. And the last judgment seat will be upon the earth at the end time. The white throne. So the white throne is not in heaven. It's on the earth. Why? 
This is where they sinned. This is where he came and lived a life as a mortal and overcome. This is where you lived a life as a mortal and overcome. It's fitting. Don't take them to heaven. Judge them in the county they sinned in. Judge them in the state they sinned. You understand? Judge them in the realm of mortality that they sinned in. Can you imagine you there as a mortal just like them, born in sin just like them, and yet you are their witnesses in your eternal body? Amen. What a witness. What will they ever be able to say? People make all kinds of excuses. Now I can't serve God. I can't go to church. There's too many here. None of them will hold water, friends. At the day of judgment. Kind of go on a bit. I know this is hard on you, and I know it's difficult, and I'll try to be sensitive enough to know when I've said enough. Discernment of the Spirit of Heavenly Father, I want to express, if I can, this morning how in my heart I feel towards one, the holiest of holy. Coming down to the earth to redeem a sinner like myself. And I'm sure that these ministers now present now can feel the same way. That it was by your grace that we've been made the ministers of this covenant that thou hast given to Adam's fallen race. Praise God. And we are here this morning, Father, gathered for no other purpose. Listen to this. But to know and to know to study to how rather the will of God and how we must do to make Christ real to the people of this generation. Knowing that surely in the day of the judgment we will be brought face to face with this generation. Now listen to the responsibility of a God called preacher. And being ministers, we will be judges. And the people to which we have spoken to and their attitude towards the word that we bring them will determine their eternal destination. Lord, children, don't make me witness against you. Please. Please. Don't let my sleepless nights, don't let my hours and hours of endless study, don't let all that witness against you. Not only me, but the other men of God that God has sent you. Then can you imagine how God takes the attitude toward the people around this message that say all you need is tapes. That ain't what he said. He didn't say that we'd be ministers of judges and we'd be judged on how we push, play, or rewind, or fast forward. But we would judge the people according to what we told them, not what we prayed for them. Come on, friends. And the people to which we've spoken to and their attitude towards the word that we bring them will determine their eternal destination. Therefore, Lord, in that day we would be a judge for or against the generation that we preached to. Not that we played tapes to. Sardis and church age. There's another point to see here on the great white throne judgment. 
There will be a separation of people. The book of life will be open. Another book will be open. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Now keep in mind, this is not bride. The word, the powerful little word, two letters, as, is the great powerful symbol that you need to grab a hold of. It is not a shepherd, but as a shepherd. The sheep are standing with him. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And I was hungry, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee hunger and fed thee? Or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came to thee? Notice this. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done to the least of these, my brethren. Do you understand how these people are going in? They're going in by their treatment of the living word. Lord Jesus, inasmuch as you have done unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was a hunger. Now watch him, he reverses everything that he said to the sheep. And you gave me no meat, sheep and tithe. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, on down, on down. Come down to the bottom part. These shall go away. Then shall he answer them saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to the least of these, you did it not to me. It has nothing to do. He's not missing anything about paying tithes. He's not missing anything about how long their hair was, how decent their dress was, how many times they attended church. They'd done this or that or the other. But simply their treatment toward his brothers. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books was open and another book was open, which is the book of life. Notice the Lamb's book isn't there. The Lamb's book has done been called in the rapture. No need to have the Lamb's book there. There ain't none of them there. Praise God. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written. Lord, children, wouldn't you hate to stand before God and be judged by what you've done? Look, maybe you're a person with many, many good works. I guarantee you, you're bad without we, you're good. Your humanity, your failures, your shortcomings, none of us can ever be able to override, oh my, how we were born. 
The sea gave up the dead which ran it in death and hell. Notice now, death and hell, Hades and Sheol. Delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. Not their faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, I believe. I'm a believer. I believe. I accept the cross. That's not the way they're judged at the white throne. They're judged by their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There will be both the righteous and unrighteous in this judgment. It says so. The righteous will not be the bride. For the bride sits with him in judgment. First Corinthians 6, 2-3. Don't you know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Revelation 3.21, to him that overcometh, will I grant to seven me and my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. See, the bride is with him in the throne. And she is to judge the world. And she has to be sitting in the judgment with him. That is exactly what Daniel saw. Amen. Daniel 7, 9 to 10. I beheld the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit. Whose garment was white as snow. Here we go with the white now. And the hair of his head was pure like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. And fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him. And ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. See, it's the same scene for the thousand thousands who are ministering to him. Are the bride for who ministers to the husband but the wife? The question now arises why are these righteous ones in the judgment? There is no other place they can come up, but there are but two resurrections, and since they could not qualify for the first resurrection, they must come up in the second, which is a resurrection unto judgment. The ones who qualify for the first resurrection. And he's got your name in princess. Are in the judgment. Are not in the judgment. St. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say. Listen to this. Oh, my unto you. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. That is, the believer is already the recipient of eternal life, which he has in his possession now. Those of you today that are sitting here with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have eternal life this morning. You've got the token applied to you, which is your pass on the judgment seat. Praise be to God. You cannot have the token and stand in the judgment. It shall not come into condemnation. Come into judgment is really what it says, but it's passed permanently from death unto life. Amen. Notice carefully, Jesus must have yet another group in mind who at a certain resurrection will receive eternal life. He wants people to be saved Amen. so bad. 
It's not His will that any should perish. If you want anybody to go to this place, you don't have the Holy Ghost yourself. He wants people to be saved so bad, He'll save them on the deathbed. I don't want no deathbed thing myself, but I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of folks that will be there because He wanted them to be saved. Look at the thief on the cross give his all of his whole life for the devil and the last few minutes of life. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, this day you will be with me in paradise. Friends, don't you understand? Many of these people out here that love God and they go to church and they do it. Many of you work with them. I said, they're good people. They're a good Baptist. They're a good Pentecostal. They're this, that, and the other. Some of them's out there better than some of these ragtags I've dealt with inside the message. I don't mind telling you. Some of them got a lot more character to them. They just live right and do what they know as far as they know how to live right. And many of them will stand there at that day. They will receive it at the resurrection. Not having previously received it as a member of the bride. St. John 5, 28, marvel not at this for the hour is coming and all, which, all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and they shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. Jesus again saying the same thing. But this is not you if you've got the Holy Ghost. You've not only passed from sin, not only have you passed from drinking and running around and, and all that sort of thing, you have passed from the white throne judgment. He can no more judge you than he can judge himself. Now we know that John 5, 28, 29 is not the rapture. For only the dead in Christ shall arise from the grace at that time alone. And the living bride is on the earth. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. With the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain. Are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But it says in John 5.28. All are going to come forth from the grave. This is the very same resurrection. That is spoken of in Revelation 20. Verses 11 to verse 15. You imagine they will walk up there, these righteous ones, without eternal life. They will walk up to the white throne judgment without eternal life. But walk away with it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Wherein the dead were brought before the Lord and judged according to their works, all whose names are not written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. Now we face the question as to why they should be given eternal life and judgment since the epistles, well, I know this staggers still so many people, it shouldn't, seem to conclusively point that one must possess the Spirit of Christ to perish. Though it seems thus, we must not discredit the words of Jesus who most pointedly sets forth that there are some found in the book of life who will, oh, glory to God, who will either receive eternal life before the general resurrection or after it. I want mine on this side. Paul 
world does not evade this truth for the scripture says in Philippians 3.11, if I might attain, I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now this statement is most peculiar. We all know that we're all going to be in a resurrection whether we want to be or not. All will be resurrected. So Paul could hardly be saying, if by any means I might attain to a resurrection of the dead. The truth of the matter is, he is not saying that. The literal reading is, if I by any means might attain to the out-resurrection from among the dead. That is not attaining to the general or second resurrection, but attaining to the first resurrection of which it is said, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, for on such a second death hath no power. I can stop or I can borrow a few more minutes of your time. I'd be in danger of my life if I stopped right now. <laughs> Let's skip down here, maybe about six, eight, eight, ten lines, something like that. We are told it is given to them on the grounds that they have been kind and good to the brethren. Those who are raised and cast into the lake of fire will be so treated because of their mistreatment of the brethren. Since this is the word of God, we must simply accept that there is no argument here, just a simple statement of fact. <laughs> you still don't see it, do you? We still don't understand it. What we mean to him. His love for his elected will be imminent at the white throne judgment. To further clarify, notice specifically the words of Matthew 25, 31 to 46. It does not say that a shepherd is literally separating sheep from goats, but it is as a shepherd dividing sheep from goats. These are not sheep in this particular area of time. White throne judgment. Sheep are in his fold. They heard his voice, word, and they followed him. They already have eternal life and that cannot commit a judgment. These do not have eternal life and they are in the judgment. They are allowed to go into eternal life, but upon what grounds do they enter into life eternal? Certainly not upon the fact that they already have his life as does the bride. But they receive it because they were kind to his brethren. They are not his brethren. That would make them join heirs with Jesus. They are not heirs to anything but life. They shall no throne with him. Their names must have been in the book of life and not removed. Let's find a place to close. Now because of their love. Of the people of God. They are recognized. And saved. No doubt these served and helped. The children of God, perhaps like Nicodemus and Gamaliel, they stood for the children. And 
a time of trouble. Praise God. Oh, you say, but what if I'm not bride? I'm lost. No, you're not. If you're not bride, you still don't have to be lost. If you're lost, it's because you choose to stay lost. I believe with all my heart this morning, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm bride, but I'm going to be there either way. Because if I ain't bride, I'm still going in. Because I don't want to go to hell. Oh, but Brother Donnie, if I'm not bride, I'm not nothing. Well, I don't feel that way. I feel like if God gave me eternal life at the white throne, that's more than I deserve. Some of you feel like you've got to be the best of everything. Shame on you. I said shame on you. If God wants to give me eternal life, I believe I have it right here today. But I ain't worried about going to hell because I love the Lord Jesus. I love his people. I love the economy of God. Amen. I'm going to be there one way or the other. And you can be there, my friend, if you want to. Thank you. Let me read one more, can I? It is the second resurrection wherein the foolish virgins come up. Notice they were virgins. They did not have the Holy Spirit, so they missed being in the bride. While the five wise who had all become a part of that bride. But these people being a separated, God-loving people. And trying to abide in the word according to what they knew of it. And being a help in the work of the Lord will come up at the end time. They will miss the millennium, which you can begin to see. But these truths is much more important and wonderful than we have ever thought or believed. We can certainly say amen to that, can All these people had their names in the book of life and their names remained. Their names remained. So don't walk out of here. Well, I'm not bride. I'm not, I can't go. That is a lie. If you want to go, you can go. You want to be saved? You can be saved. That's not our choice to make ourselves bride. No more than any of you girls may have your heart set on some boy and your heart just races real fast, but he also has a choice about that. So it's the same with the Lord Jesus. We hear him preached about on his bridegroom form and it may excite us and may produce an exhilarating type of feeling in our emotions, but we cannot make ourselves bride. But you don't have to be lost even if you ain't bride. You can be there if you want to go. I'm going. I'm going. Lord Jesus... Oh, God, I pray today, Father, please, if there's one here, Lord, under the sound of my voice that's not ready, may you move on their heart, Lord. Father, somebody that'll stream this service, maybe somebody that'll go back and archive it. God, please help them. Lord Jesus, we thank you. For your love and mercy, 
by coming to this earth where we have lived as mortals to experience what we do. Thank you for making a way that we could be born again and have our heart changed. If it wasn't for that, I might be one of them heathens at the end of the millennium that I might rebel against you. But mercy rewrote my heart, my life. Took that rebellious, stubborn, sinful nature out of me. Thank you, Father. Oh, Jesus, I pray. Lord, we pray for our children. We pray for our grandchildren, God. Have mercy on them, Lord. We know we can't make them brides. And Abraham prayed for Lot. He didn't pray to make Lot bride. He just prayed you'd be merciful to him. And you were. So Lord, today we pray. Our families, our loved ones. Lord, time's going on. And it's like people don't even believe that you're coming. We know it'll be as a thief in the night. God, be merciful. Bring a man before it's too late, Lord Jesus. Please, Father. Maybe some of our family and our loved ones have stepped to such debauchery and filth of sin. If mercy can be extended to their hearts to break the yoke of darkness. Grant it, I pray, Father. Grant it, dear God. Lord, right now my mind goes, I've shared it with the saints a couple of times, but Lord, to that poor man down in Kentucky that just some time ago was going to take his life and had that gun in his mouth, the hammer cocked, laid his cell phone down on the table and his keys. All of a sudden, his cell phone went off, and it was a sermon from right here at Happy Valley. Me preaching about depression and sin and so on and so on. This man pulls the gun out of his mouth and uncocks it, sits down, listens to the sermon, rededicates his life back to you, God. Mercy walked in his house. Oh, Jesus. Walk in these aisles today, Lord God. Oh, Father, wherever these services will be streamed in Australia, New Zealand, France, Switzerland, Russia, Germany, around the world. Maybe a backslider, one that's never committed their heart to you. Please, Lord Jesus, before it's too late. For those of us that are saved, help us, Father, that we can be about our Father's business. Oh, sure, we have our lives to live, we have our families, our homes, but help us to realize we also have your business to be concerned about, not just our own business. Help us, Father, to be a light, to be a witness. Oh, most of these people aren't preachers and never will be, but may you be able to live your life out of them, Lord, to testify that there is a Jesus who can save, heal, and deliver we love you, Lord. You love him with all your hearts today, saints. It's on your heart. Mercy. Lord Jesus. Yes, Father. Hallelujah. Mercy, we wrote our
Please come and take control. 
to give a higher Jesus, thank you for this weekend, Lord. I know today is a very somber day, solemn, frightful in one way. But Lord, for those of us who pass from death unto life, we don't fear so much for ourselves, but it's for others. May you help us, Lord. May you reignite something in our hearts to help us, Father, that when the opportunity would prevail, Lord Jesus, as Brother Michael and I stood over here in the fellowship hall the other day, speaking to an engineer and a contractor, you opened a door, Lord, where I could witness to him about a supernatural God in China a few years ago. Where they rolled a woman in my motel room where we were having church in a wheelchair. And I was able to tell them after prayer was made, the woman got up out of the wheelchair and pushed a wheelchair out of the room. The looks on both of their faces. I went home and told Carol, I said, that may have never heard before about a living God, but they've heard now.
We want to be able to tell the world that you're alive. We want to be able to tell hungry hearts there's a Savior, a Redeemer, a Keeper. Go with us now, Lord. Bring us back at the appointed time, we pray, Father. For it's in the name of our loving, wonderful Savior that we ask it. The Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You're in love for the Lord Jesus today. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Brother Joel, would you come take the service, brother? Thank you so much for coming today. I hope you was blessed by the word. Didn't you so appreciate that word this morning? I'm, I'm like Brother Donnie said, I don't care how I get there. I just want to get there. Amen. I'm, streets of gold sounds great. You know, gates of pearl, that sounds great. But I want to see him. I want to live in a place where children are never afraid, never hurt. No hearts are broken. No mother's hearts are broken. Happy Mother's Day to all of you here this morning. You mothers, we appreciate you. We love you. Be good to your mother today. Let's just sing this as we go. I'm going to make it. I'm gonna make it He's already said I would I'll keep on trusting He's working everything for my good He walks beside me Heaven is in my view Oh, I'm gonna make it through Sing it again as you go Beside me.